This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening. As always, go to reallifepharmacology.com. Get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Uh, great study guide, great review if you're nurse practitioner, med student, pharmacist, uh, lots of good info in there, and I pulled out that info based upon uh, what I actually see in clinical practice, as well as things I've definitely encountered on board exams. So uh, definitely something to uh, have to your uh, virtual library there. So simply an email will get you access to that. You can do that at reallifepharmacology.com. Drug of the day today is canagliflozin. Brand name is Invocana. Uh, this is an SGLT2 inhibitor. I've covered a couple of them already, I believe. This one is uh, less frequently used than some of the other ones, like dapagliflozin, for example. So, knowing this is an SGLT2 inhibitor, hopefully you recall from maybe those previous podcasts. Uh, this drug is primarily going to be used for uh, diabetes and obviously lowering blood sugar. Uh, the SGLT2, remember that stands for sodium glucose cotransporter 2, and this drug inhibits that transporter, which ultimately, from a mechanism standpoint, basically kicks glucose out of the body through the urine when we use this medication. So uh, dosing, there's two dosages, 100 and 300 milligrams. Uh, you can increase up to 300 after four weeks. Uh, and remember, we've, uh, in addition to obviously diabetes care, we've seen uh, additive benefits in certain patient populations and certain comorbidities. So uh, patients with ASCVD, uh, heart failure, uh, diabetic renal disease. These are all types of patients where we can actually, uh, in studies and literature, this drug is actually shown to help with risk reduction and, and that type of thing. So um, important, important kind of uh, side diagnosis, if you will, uh, that are, are important to the way that the drug works. So understanding that, uh, we can think about some of the uh, potential adverse effects if we're, you know, beneficial in heart failure and causing a diuresis type effect with kicking out that glucose. So, uh, adverse effect profile, uh, it can have that mild diuretic type effect. So, I have seen patients reporting that um, they maybe have to go to the bathroom a little bit more. Definitely, in my opinion, not to the extent of a thiazide diuretic and especially not to the extent of a loop diuretic, um, but this can happen. With that loss of fluid, you may also increase the risk for hypotension, dropping blood pressure, which can be a good thing for some patients, but if we drop it too low, that can be an issue as well. 
Uh, dehydration is an, is another risk, which is a little bit of a, a catch-22 type of thing where uh, this medication can potentially have benefits in risk reduction for diabetic renal disease, uh, but there also have been reports of it uh, initiating or being a contributing factor uh, to an AKI-type situation, though, so that's acute kidney injury. So definitely, we're obviously going to monitor renal function with this medication. Uh, along with renal function, another thing to think about is potassium. This drug has been associated with hyperkalemia. Risks obviously go up as we have worse kidney function, uh, other drugs that may raise potassium levels, uh, but again, we need to monitor that potassium. Other adverse effects, so when you increase glucose uh, concentrations out through the urine, uh, there's sugar there or potential food for uh, you know bacterial growth, fungal growth, and uh, most commonly, fungal genital urinary infections uh, is the uh, major adverse effect. And it's more likely or more common uh, in females there. Uh, bacterial, uh, the, the jury's still out a little bit as to how frequent this happens and how significant it is. Um, generally, fungal has been reported as more common, um, but there certainly have been uh, reports of, of bacterial infections as well. As I'm reviewing patients, if I see patients who have multiple, you know, antibiotic orders, multiple urinary tract infections, uh, obviously multiple fungal infections being treated, uh, this is a drug and a class of drugs, I guess, the SGDLT2 inhibitors that needs to be addressed. And we definitely got to weigh that risk benefit of are we causing more infections and more issues uh, than we're actually helping with the blood sugar lowering effects? So uh, definitely keep an eye out on that. Um, that's one of the first things I look for uh, when I see kind of multiple UTI treatments, multiple um, genital urinary fungal infections um, when, when uh, looking at medications and trying to pin down adverse effects. Uh, rare adverse effects. I mentioned AKI uh, previously. Uh, bone fractures uh, have been reported in some literature. Uh, the The data is conflicting on on both AKI and bone fractures. Where you know we have some studies that say it can happen and some say it doesn't. Um, and another one to add, kind of to that tab, is uh, amputation risk. So one study showed that it was an increased risk for uh, lower limb amputation. Another study said there wasn't an issue. So uh, if you want to do a little bit more of a deep dive there, it's uh, the Canvas and Credence clinical trials, I believe. A uh, couple other things with adverse effect, or one other thing specifically here, um, diabetic ketoacidosis and more specific, uh, you, what they call euglycemic diabetic ketoacidosis. So that means basically where the blood sugar isn't uh, unusually elevated. Uh, and this may go under the radar. So patients who are taking a drug like canagliflozin may be at more risk for that. So that, that target or that blood sugar, if blood sugars are less than 250 milligrams per deciliter, uh, and we're, you know, experiencing symptoms of ketoacidosis and things like that, um, 
it might be this situation and you definitely need to look uh, for drugs on the med list like canagliflozin or another SGLT2 inhibitor. Now, typically, DKA is going to be precipitated by something else, um, but that's not to say that you know just, just the drug couldn't do it, but most often uh, you're going to be associating a DKA or an acidotic state uh, if it's caused by this, uh, you know, with an infection, with surgery, with a heart attack, some sort of stressful or high stress uh, type of event there. All right, my patient population, elderly patients, I wanted to specifically mention a couple of things that I really pay attention to. Um, blood pressure risk. So if we drop that blood pressure too much, we could uh, put that patient at risk for falls. And then renal function. We definitely need to monitor that because uh, if patients have uh, renal function 30 to 60 mils per minute, recommended max is 100 milligram dose, not to go up to the 300 milligram dose. Uh, if patients are less than 30 mils per minute, uh, most clinicians I don't think will start canagliflozin. Uh, if we're kind of right on the borderline, um, we might do a risk-benefit assessment, you know, trying to figure out what meds they've tried, what haven't they tried, and, you know, seeing if it's worth the risk uh, to potentially start this medication uh, in a patient with kind of borderline renal function. And usually that number is right around uh, 30 mils per minute. Uh, monitoring parameters, pretty straightforward. A1C, uh, obviously blood glucose or blood sugar, uh, blood pressure we mentioned, renal function we mentioned, and potassium we mentioned. Uh, I will add a couple more. So if we're worried about uh, DKA or that euglycemic DKA, obviously we're going to check uh, pH and uh, potentially ketones there. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material, go check out meded101.com store. We've got a lengthy list of resources from the psychiatric exam, pharmacotherapy exam, ambulatory care, BCMTMS, geriatric exam, and of course the NAPLEX as well. So all those links you can find at meded101.com store, S-T-O-R-E. Uh, also really excited uh, about new book for uh, nurses, nurse practitioners, and that is the MedEd 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology. And you can find that uh, on Amazon. Uh, from reviews I've gotten, I think people are pretty pleased with the, the content. Uh, it definitely took me uh, a year or two to, to put all that uh, content together. Plus, there's bonus questions uh, in the back of the book. So again, MedEd 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology. Go check that out. Share it with uh, uh, your nursing colleagues for sure. Let's finish up with drug interactions. So uh, first and foremost, I, I, I want to say the SIP uh, interactions aren't crazy predominant. There's not major, major issues here, um, but there is some uh, potential enzyme inducer issues here. So uh, phenytoin, phenobarbital, uh, these type of drugs can lower concentrations of uh, canagliflozin, and that's really probably the only somewhat significant thing. Uh, it's it's not a game changer. It's not an absolute contraindication, but probably just something to really be aware of if patients aren't responding to the medications quite as well there. 
most, uh, at least in my opinion, most of the drug interactions uh, to, to pay attention to are going to be additive effects. So certainly that diuretic type effect, blood pressure lowering type effect, uh, renal issues are really important there. So any type of blood pressure lowering med, you know, your beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, that can obviously have an additive effect. If you've got a patient on thiazide diuretic and or a loop diuretic and you add in canagliflozin, that's going to add to the diuresis type effect and potentially increase the risk for uh, dehydration and issues that way. Uh, potassium or hyperkalemia, I mentioned, keep an eye out for obviously ACEs, uh, spironolactone, ARBs, uh, so on and so forth. And then uh, last, of course, we've got to think about hypoglycemia, so low blood sugar. This drug is intended to lower blood sugar and patients on insulin, sulfonylureas are going to be at greater risk there for that hypoglycemia. So uh, definitely pay attention as we add this medication in, adjust insulin, adjust sulfonylurea, whatever the, the patient may be taking there. Um, really, really important there. And lastly, we got to think about meds that raise blood sugar that might counteract the impacts of what we're trying to do with canagliflozin. So corticosteroids, you know, prednisones, uh, systemic corticosteroids are going to be the major, uh, major cause of elevated blood sugars from a medication standpoint. At least uh, that's the most common in my practice. All right, well, I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, leave a rating, review on iTunes, wherever you're listening. Uh, go to reallifepharmacology.com, sign up, get that free 31-page PDF. That's a no-brainer. Uh, share MedEd 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology. Brand new book out. Uh, definitely going to be helpful for a lot of uh, nursing students, nurse practitioner students, uh, to really learn a lot of the basics about pharmacology. So... Uh, with that, if you want to track me down, mededucation101 at gmail.com, uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.